Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who lives and reigns with you, Almighty God, our Father, and with God the Holy Spirit, one God, true God, our God, now and forever. Amen. Well, I'm going to give you all a bit of a math lesson this morning and uh, just a moment of personal privilege, too. Thank you for your birthday greetings. Yes, today is my birthday. I mean, what a better gift. Truly, this is evidence of God's grace to be able to be a pastor, to be a grandmother, and to get to preach on your birthday. It doesn't get any better than that. Also, this young man uh, sitting in the back in the maroon sweater, today is the 36th anniversary of our first date at USM. Yeah, y'all are going to figure out how old I am in, in just a few minutes. But thank you for your greetings, for your love, and for truly exemplifying what it means to be the body of Christ. What a treat. Well, 33 years and a couple, almost a couple of months, years ago, I became a mother for the very first time. Like today, that was one of the best days of my life. One of the most painful, and by the way, it is a myth that mothers forget everything they've been through when they give birth. Yeah, that, that's not true. I still remember and I remind this beautiful child who is now 33 years old and a father himself. But it was a wonderful moment. The exhilaration was like nothing I had ever felt before. After all that labor and travail and the epidural didn't take and all this stuff, and I was big as a house, and not just a small house. It was exhilarating. I still remember that too. And we were prepared. Kevin and I were a little bit older. Let's see, I was mm, 25, almost 26. Yeah, I can tell who the math whiz is in here. We were a little bit older, and we were prepared. You know, we were older when we got married. We had been to grad school and had jobs, and I had been babysitting since I was 12 years old, really, even before that. I babysat all through high school because I didn't want to work at McDonald's. I babysat all through college, and it was good money. That's, that's good money, and I don't even know what the rate is now. I babysat a lot. I babysat through grad school. I had cousins who were younger, got to keep them, did Bible school, taught Sunday school. And we went to childbirth classes. And Kevin is very detail-oriented. Reminds me a lot of uh, our friend Brian, very detail-oriented, takes copious notes. We were prepared. We read books. We didn't have the internet, but we read books. We talked to other parents. We were ready. I was ready to be a mother. And then they brought that baby to me. And after that moment of exhilaration, I thought, uh-oh. So now what? What do I do? I have this perfect baby, the most perfect baby boy that's ever been born, except for Jesus, in my arms. So now what? Now what? And it's Christian, so now what? And we'll get back to that later. Uh, a background of today's lesson, this is from Paul's letter to the Philippian church. You know, the Philippians were the church that were doing things right. They were obedient. They were faithful. Paul uh, wrote to them in prison, from prison. 
They were faithful. They had been obedient. They were doing what they were supposed to do. They gave him great joy. The book of Philippians, I sometimes call the joy book, one of my favorite books in the Bible. In today's text, he exhorts the Philippians to continue and to keep going. You know, when you read Philippians and if you contrast it with some of the other books, he's very affectionate. You know, the Galatians, oh, you foolish Galatians. A bunch of knuckleheads. You're going to be tossed to and fro. At Colossians, to the Colossian church, they were being threatened by heresy. And the Corinthians, well, we know about them. They were just party animals, uh, loose living. But the Philippians, oh, this sweet group of Christians. But he said, keep going. Keep going. Keep up the good work, as one commentator I read this week, Frank Thielman said. Keep up the good work, not just when Paul is around. So not just when our parents are around, not when the boss is around or when the teacher is around or when Paul is around, but keep it up, especially when I'm not around. So keep working and work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, wait a minute. Work out your salvation? That seems to contradict what Paul wrote in other epistles, right? Work out your salvation? Well, I thought we were saved by grace alone through faith alone. For it is by grace you are saved and not of works, lest any man should boast, right? Seems to be a contradiction, but not. Keep, just, just wait. You know, just as I thought I knew what being a mother was all about, sometimes I think as Christians and people born and raised in the Bible Belt, I think we may or may not know what being saved is all about. We hear those words all the time. I grew up in the Baptist church. I was dragged to church all the time, then became a Methodist uh, later in life, uh, accepted Christ at age 10. I thought I knew what being saved was all about. Well, what are we saved from? What are we saved to? What are we saved for? We throw around those terms, and sometimes I think we don't get a good picture of what is this salvation business all about. One of the things I like the most about Wesleyan theology, and don't get scared. You say the word theology, and people say, oh, no. It's just talking, studying about God. We all do that. What does working out salvation mean? Well, salvation is a gift from God. There is nothing we can do to earn it. We are saved by God's grace. When we accept Christ, and even that faith to believe, Scripture says, is a gift, we say yes to God's grace. We are made right with God. We are justified. That is justifying grace. You don't have to remember that. Just know we are made right. We are forgiven. God says, okay, this one's mine, and I see the blood of Jesus. You are made right with God. There is nothing you can do to earn that. And if you really think about it a whole lot, I hope that it will still blow your mind. Uh, Paul says in Romans that when we were sinners, enemies of God and completely helpless, God sent Christ to die for us, and that proves God's love for us. So not anything we could do. So when we accept that in faith, 
We're made right with God. But wait, there's more. So what is this working out our salvation with fear and trembling? There's more to it. It's an ongoing process, sanctification, sanctifying grace. And again, I like the Wesleyan understanding of that because it talks about what it means to be a Christian each and every day. It's the now what? Okay, I'm saved. What am I saved for? What am I saved from? Saved to. Yes, we are saved from our sin. We couldn't do anything about it, so Christ died for us. And we are born again. We are regenerated, made new, a new creation for, you know, we are, if anyone is Christ, in Christ, he is a new creation. All things, the old things have passed away, Paul writes. But again, there's more. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us each and every day. We talk in Methodism about being made perfect. Does that mean we'll never make a mistake? No. That we'll never sin? No, we all all sin. But we're being made perfect in the love of God. And why is that important? Are we saved just for ourselves? Yes. I mean, we want to be in heaven with God. But Paul is talking to the body as a whole, as a group. Sharing the love of Christ, being united in the love of Christ, being a witness and making disciples. Talks about with fear and trembling, does that mean we need to be scared? Those words mean with awe, with reverence, remembering what God has done for us. And praying that God's grace will so transform our lives that we will want nothing else but the love of God. That is sanctifying grace. Well, how do we do all of that? You know, just as I didn't really know how to be a mother, and I had some good models in my life, and I had good information. Yes, we read the Bible. Well, how do we do that? Well, when you interpret any passage in Scripture, you got to know what comes before it. And I'd like to share this part of the text with you. This is why we do what we do and who our model is. If there is any encouragement, Paul writes, in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind. Have the same love. Have the same love. Being in full accord and of one mind. And here is our how-to and our model. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And then our text today, therefore, and that's the so now, as a result, consequently, I've told you, have the same mind. Yeah, we're all different, and that's wonderful. Diversity is a gift. Have the same mind, the same spirit, and that's the one of Christ. Christ, who said, it's not robbery for me to say that I'm God, but I'm going to set that aside, and I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to show y'all what love is all about. I'm going to show you what obedience is all about what real love is, what real unity is. Christ is our model. And then Paul goes on to write in verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you. Well, that's good. I can't do it in my strength, especially on a Monday morning when the caffeine level is low. You know, those drivers on the road, they don't know how to drive. And you just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. For it is God and God through sanctifying grace, who is at work in you, enabling you both to will. I love what uh, Miss Myra Radden said the other day in Bible study. When we're saved, our have-tos become our want-tos. That's God's sanctifying grace. We don't have to go to church. We don't have to give. We don't have to. We get to. We don't have to serve. We get to. Our will changes, both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. This is the process of, sanct- of salvation. Yes, when we accept Christ, we are made right. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Oh, but there's so much more. And we look to Christ, who is our model. We said, it, I'm the same as God, I'm equal. But out of love and obedience to God the Father, came to earth, was born as a baby, Helpless, lived among us, felt everything we felt, was rejected and obedient even unto death on a cross for our sake. And when that love, that grace transforms your heart, our will changes. We want to do what God would have us to do. I still confess to you that uh, motherhood is a challenge and parenting adult children, uh, things still change. Uh, Being a grandmother is God's reward. But I'm thankful for the wisdom of others. Being a Christian, sometimes it's tough in this society. But we don't have to do it by ourselves. We do it by the help of God the Holy Spirit, by God's sanctifying grace. Yes, we're going to get it wrong. But when we desire nothing but the love of God and we want others to know this love, this is something so great that even though we may have differing theological ideas, we might debate the finer points of theology. We acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and the church's business is to make disciples of Jesus Christ because only Jesus could transform a sinner's heart like mine. Only Jesus can transform my heart today and yours 
and the world's. Let it begin today with us. Amen? Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And as Ants plays this morning, I invite you to respond. You don't have to come up to the front, but respond to God's grace in your heart. If today you've never made a decision to place your whole trust and faith in Jesus Christ. If scripture says today is the day of salvation, I encourage you to do that. Or perhaps you want more of God's grace. In the revival this week, the prayer is more, Lord, more of you, more of you. And God's grace is unlimited. It is infinite. We sing about it, but do we believe it? More of your grace, Lord. Transform my heart until I want nothing but your love. And it overflows. So would you respond? Thank you.